Welcome to The Real Deal with me, Larry Lawton, and I have a very special guest today. I have Jessica Kent all the way from Chicago on our show today. Welcome to the show, Jess. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, you and I know each other. you got a great YouTube channel, uh, Jessica Kent on YouTube. Uh, you're a, a female ex-prisoner, you know, I guess you call it, and had a baby in prison. Your stories are amazing. We'll talk about that. <laughs> But not only that, we had a lot of fun. I met you in St. Petersburg, uh, Florida, and we did a couple of YouTube videos. Uh, I think one of my YouTube videos was out yesterday. So, and uh, today, now we're doing the podcast. So, what did you think of Florida so far? Well, I love Florida. What's that sound? Somebody outside. Oh, no. Don't worry about it. No, I don't worry about it. Don't worry about fucking shit. It's good here. There's like a whole ass plane taking off in the background. Um, But I love Florida. We love coming here and and hanging out. Usually it's a family trip. This time it's just a work trip. Yeah. uh, Well, oh, so this is just, you just flew in for two, three days. Yeah, just for you. Yeah, bullshit. You want to get here. You want to get here and get out of the fucking cold of Chicago. (laughs) Who are you kidding? I mean that. And also it's Larry Lawton trip. Oh, this is hilarious. Just that, make you feel special. No, you know? I think you're just going to do that to write it off. <laughs> Say I won't. Say oh. that's not what I want to do. You see what you're sitting in right now? A write-off? A write-off. <laughs> a fucking big write-off. Yep, that's a write-off. Oh, absolutely. Everything I do is a write-off. Dude, of I snatch receipts like a scavenger. You wouldn't even believe it. Yeah. Oh, you want to go to lunch? Let me get that receipt. You don't, you don't need to do that. I mean, unless you think you're paying cash, unless it's cash thing. If someone puts mm-hmm. it on a card and gets the receipt, no good. But your cards are your receipts. Yeah. In other words, so you just put it on a specific card and use that as your uh, a tax thing. But don't, wait, if this is not about tax, don't fucking follow me or you'll be back in prison. Because Larry's not a tax guy. He has a guy who does taxes. That's the best thing you can do. So let's get to your show, this show. You know, we do the real deal and we have a lot of fun with it. We have a lot of listeners who are work and stuff. Just so you guys know, I'm I'm sitting across from this beautiful woman. She's hot, but she got a big ass boyfriend with her. Uh, husband, boy, well, fiance. Listen, I'm the same thing with Teresa. You know, people don't know. That, yeah, we've been 13 years, and we're not married. Uh, uh, so everybody don't know. So I mean, that's just what it is. So I'm sitting here with Jessica. She's a beautiful woman. You got to go check her out on YouTube. But she has a great story. She has a story of redemption. She has a story that made her mess up. And we're going to have her tell some of this story here today. So Jessica, you were a drug addict, right? Yeah. I was a, a drug addict turned drug dealer and back and forth, you know. So I, I went from really high highs and really low lows. So I was a drug addict and drug dealer. What age did you first start doing drugs? Thirteen. How did it happen? Give, give, give my audience. Tell me what happened. So the first... It's a weird Yeah, sound. isn't that cool? <laughs> so That's the, a truck going by is what it is. We're, how the fuck we're at a rest can we stop. hear that? Because well, we're at headphones. I bet, I bet the Reese didn't hear anything. Oh, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, so my addiction started really at 12 with alcohol. It was the first thing. Always. I tell yeah. everybody that. Everybody says, oh, pot, or oh, this is bad drug. No. Oh, they start on pot. No, they don't. They no. start on fucking alcohol or milk. But <laughs> Milk. So, yeah, I, I took a sip of alcohol. And keep in mind, I moved around a lot, Section 8 housing. I was bullied. Um, people, kids would throw shit at me. So I was like this nerd in the corner Did reading a book. Did you grow up in a broken home, like mom and dad yep. divorced or yep. something like Single that? Single mom. 
single mom, Section 8 housing, really poor. So I didn't have nice clothes. Other kids did, and they made fun of me. I have crossbite teeth, so my teeth aren't straight. Uh, they made fun of me for that. And, you know, it was just kind of tough. So I, I was in class one day. This like, girl, you know, was talking shit, so I threw my textbook at her. I don't know if kids know what textbooks are these days, but they're heavy, and we used to have to wrap them with, with the bags from the grocery store, the paper bags. And I chucked it at her head, and I got sent to detention. In detention, I met this girl, and we became friends almost immediately, and she invited me over to her house after school, and I thought it was, like, the best thing ever. She gave me a beer that day, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm not socially awkward. I'm, you know, so 12 years old. 12 years old, and I loved alcohol. I loved it, and alcohol, you could smell it, and people could tell that I was drinking alcohol, and I don't know who the fuck was giving a 12 and 13-year-old alcohol. Like, I, I'd take it out of, you know, fridges, but no one acted weird about it. And my friends and cousins were all 10 years older than me, and no one gave a shit, you know? Uh, well... So you started drinking alcohol daily then? I mean, after one as time? I, as often as I could. Or you steal it. Mm-hmm. I'd have to, you know, steal it or get it from different places. And it, does your, Now, you, are you living with your mom at this time? Yes. Does she have a clue what's going on? Not really. Okay. She knows that I'm skipping school and not going, and I hated it. I mean, I was fucking bullied every day. Um, I'm now diagnosed ADHD, so it makes sense why I couldn't sit in school and read tests the way that other kids could. That's all bullshit. You know, uh, no, no, I'm not going to say bullshit. You know what it is? When I was growing up, he's fucking hyperactive. That's all. He's fucking hyperactive. Of course it's ADHD. They have acronym for everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Adult decef- you know, this deficit and all this fucking order shit. You and I both know you were just fucking didn't want to stop. You, you call it what it is, ADHD. You're fucking hyperactive. So for you, like you're really old school, and my parents are the same way. They're the same fucking way. So ADHD is very different. Well, you are my son's age. Yeah. So ADHD is very different in women. So like it's all in my head. I wasn't hyper or fidgety. I couldn't. I couldn't function or concentrate on anything, and it was really hard. But I didn't know that. I was recently diagnosed with ADHD, like, a month ago. Um, so I struggled, you right? fucking lived a great life. You're smart. You built the YouTube. You have ADHD. I struggle. So that's the thing with mental health is people will see a successful person and think that they're completely fine, right? And depression looks like Robin Williams putting on comedy shows, and depression looks very different on the outside than it feels on the inside, Right. So that's what's weird about mental health. Well, just like addiction. You know, a lot of these people are very successful, addicted to work. Yeah. They have an addictive personality. Oh, for but sure. But they just learn to channel it in a better way than you did or I did or whoever it is, right. you know. I'm an addict through and through. And right now, my my drug, I guess you would say, is my career. It's I am laser-focused on it. Oh, I, a fucking lot more than me. <laughs> uh, I'm, I've been with Jess here for a, for a weekend, and... Uh, She's a lot more for, I wouldn't, I don't, she, yes, she's a workaholic and very dedicated, and uh, that is part of an addiction, actually. Yeah. Are you learning to control that a little? Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm creating balance in my life, because when I first started, I was was on the phone constantly, and now I turned it off on weekends if I'm home with my kids, and everyone's Well, you know, that a person, whether it's work or not, or drugs or alcohol or food. gambling, food or whatever it is, you lose relationships. You you know, you can have a, a, a bad relationship with Reese or, or whoever if if you let it happen, let it let that take over who you are. And that becomes a problem. You know, what people don't get about addiction, and you know, is 
addictions, it, how do you define addiction? By it altering your life in a way you don't want to. Mm -hmm. Making you do things. If you're addicted and you, you steal to get your addictions, making you do something. Or if you overeat, it's making you feel bad about, you know. Addiction affects it. So how do you find out? Is it a bad addiction? If you're a workaholic and you're affecting nobody and you're only becoming successful, is it an addiction? I don't know. But if you do it to the point where you lose relationships or your kids' time, that becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. That's the addiction I think you probably have, which I think a lot of people have anyway. Yeah, and recognizing that is an important aspect of, of my life. I have small kids, you know, so I have to make sure that if they run up to me, even if I am working at home, I make sure that I, like, stop and give them my my attention and my focus on what they're saying because I used to be like like typing or working and I'm like okay yeah yeah you can just have whatever and I wouldn't even look up I stop like I make a cognizant like a decision like look at that baby but you have to set boundaries you can't do that I mean you can't have a kid think it's okay to come up to mommy daddy every minute you know you're at work now we work from home a lot of people yep. There's got to be boundaries oh, set. it's hard to work from home. If, if you have not worked from home worked from home, and you think it's a luxury, babe, let me tell you. It is hard because you live at your job, so there's no disconnection. And now I have a dedicated office and a dedicated filming space so I can separate, you know, my, my life from this space that I work in, and that's helpful. But still, like, I have... I have set work hours like anyone else would. I still, if I'm not filming, I still get up, get dressed, get ready, put my makeup on, and work. That helps my mindset get into, like, the rhythm of today is a work day. It's a bones day. I don't know if you know what that means. No. Oh, my God. You don't know noodles? I'll show him, you guys. It's, what is it's, noodles? It's a pug dog on TikTok. Sometimes he has bones and sometimes he doesn't. I'll show you after the show. Um, but, yeah, I have to separate work from home life, which is really hard to do in your house. But, you know, it's... Well, it makes sense. You know, when I first started YouTube, I, I did my videos out of my bedroom. Yeah. Then I made my garage into a studio. I mean, a full-blown studio uh, and podcast and conference table and my, you know, my desk and backdrops and a few things like that. So it's my work, my, it's my office and studio, if you want to call it that. But I find out I'm in there all the time, yeah. not... Eight to five, I'm definitely not an eight to five guy. I mean, I, I'm up till two in the morning. People who know me on Discord is a man. He comes on at twelve o'clock at night, one o'clock at night. He's crazy, but no, it's something that I think you and I uh, understand. I think that you have to do that. So now let's get back. So you were a drug addict at mm -hmm. now. When did you went alcohol at twelve? When did you hit drugs? And what was your first drug? My first drug was um, was a pill. It was OxyContin. Your first drug wasn't pot, mm -hmm. wasn't coke. No, no, I didn't smoke weed until way later. I, I had tried oxy. I love weed. Could my my audience knows it. Fuck it, I love it. Oh, mine too. I smoke weed too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't smoke weed until later, 14, 15, you know? I, I did coke and oxy long before I smoked weed, I'm pretty sure. If someone can fact check me, I'm sure. But it wasn't my focus. I wanted to feel like I felt when I was drunk, and pills gave me that same thing. And then Coke is just always at parties that I was oh, at. Yeah, no yeah. one likes like, ooh, let's go spend a bunch of money on fucking Coke. No, if it's there and I'm drinking, I'm going to take it. Wasn't I did a lot that. of Coke in my life, man. <laughs> did Holy you? shit. We used to take an ounce back in the day in the strip clubs and fucking put it on the whole fucking bar and it would close the fucking strip clubs. And me, a couple hookers, and well, hookers, cleaner, whatever. 
My first wife, he was stripped. <laughs> so uh, we had a lot of fun. Not my first, my second wife. Who, I don't want to get that fucked oh, up. Oh, no, you're man. about to get calls and texts like crazy. Oh, no, no. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm great friends with my both exes. Very good, good friends. Because uh, there's no issues, you know. It is what it was. I was a bad guy. Uh, and they don't hate me for it, obviously. They knew who I was. But it's not conducive to a great relationship, living the more crazy no. I did. So you did. So you did your first drug with a pill at thirteen, mm-hmm. and did you become addicted? Addicted where you needed that every day, or at what point did you become that way? So I really thought that I was just partying. You know, I didn't think I was addicted to anything. I thought I was in complete control. I was totally fine. I was partying until you're not. Until you wake up one morning and you're like, Why the fuck do I feel so bad? Why am I so sick? And I think that moment probably hit around 16, 17. So at that point, you were physically addicted. Physically. Because, you know, there's mental addiction and there's physical addiction. So you, you think you were mentally, you were probably physically more than you knew. More than I realized. Um, because I was always chasing something, chasing being drunk. I, I was a kid, a teenager in high school, and I'd have a flask of Jack Daniels with me, or I'd try to sneak it in, like, drinks, like soda or whatever, so I could drink Jack Daniels in 10th grade. And I couldn't make it through school. I fucking hated it. I was miserable. I didn't want to sit there. You know, school's not built for entrepreneurs. I was fucking miserable. At what point, then you know it's there, everything's on the table when you're in an addict, whether Mm -hmm. it's sex for drugs, whether it's stealing for drugs, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. At what point do you realize you don't give a fuck, you just want to get high, whatever it is, and do you say, I'm willing to do this? Because most addicts will do, they steal from their own houses, mm-hmm. you know, parents' houses, especially young kids. I deal a lot with that. Girls, you know, start with sex and all that. and Or guys, believe it or not, everything. It doesn't matter. An addiction like that is an addiction. Yeah. And it's tough to break. So you're going to have to tell me, what, first of all, at what point did you start getting crazy where you knew you were addicted? I think I, I was in denial for a really long time. Even when I did feel physical symptoms of it, I still was in complete denial. I didn't want to admit that something had power over me. And I didn't want to believe that I was an addict because the idea that I had in my mind was not me. It was like some random people, definitely not me. Homeless maybe, like I had an image of my in my mind of what a drug addict was, and that wasn't me. You know, I, I didn't think that I would ever be a drug addict. I party, I have fun. But in order to pay for that addiction, I didn't steal from my family. I didn't steal from my friends. I wasn't a thief. Um, in that same breath, <laughs> uh, I, I would steal from people at parties that I hated or I'd pickpocket just oh, to that, fuck with you, them. No, you're justifying it, but go, okay. Just to fuck with them, but I wouldn't steal with, like, I wouldn't steal from my family or friends. You never did mm-hmm. as an ad. That's, that's no. very rare, you know. Most of them do. My family... Especially as a young, you were 16, right? You said 15. At yeah. this time, you're a blown drug addict, right? 15, 16? I'm a drug addict. Yep, I'm also a drug dealer. So I no, knew... When, no, no, we didn't get to that part yet. Okay. You, you, it always pushes somebody to get to that part. Mm-hmm. You're at what age? At 15, you're an addict? I mean... You know what an addict now is. Am I physically dependent at 15? Yeah. Maybe. So you think you're an addict? I think I was born a drug addict. Um, but yeah, I, I think I was addicted to alcohol pills at that time. And how are you getting them if you're not stealing? I sold drugs. I sold drugs. You don't, I started, so you didn't go the route of 
yourself, selling yourself, or doing anything like that? I hated men at the time. There was not a chance in hell. You're not a lesbian. Not a lesbian. Hated men. Everyone's going to ask me that. Every guy in the (laughs) world on my podcast, oh, man, she's a lesbian, right? And I said, Mm -hmm. no, she's hot. Because everyone knows lesbians, most of them are hot. Unless they're a dyke. (laughs) Unless they're a fucking big fat dyke. I know that's going to come back hard on me, that one. (laughs) They're literally going to cancel you for that. Um, You know, listen, they can't cancel. I don't give a fuck. How's that? So, no, I I never sold my body. I was very fortunate that I never got into sex work. At the same time, I really fucking hated men. And I saw that. Why did you hate men? It's got to be something deeper than that. The, the issue Did for you ever me, have a bad relationship or a bad, I mean, dad or something happened to you? Nope. Great dad was never abused. Well, you were never abused, never nothing. But the men that I knew and the men in my life, cousins that were 10 years older than me, spoke down to women and treated women like they're shitty and disposable and like... Misogynistic, of course. Disgusting, right? And everyone around me, you know, they were guys and they didn't think that I could do what they did treat them like they're disposable, and sell drugs. Why the fuck not? You know, so I kind of wanted to prove that I can make just as much money, if not more than you, and I don't need to find a rich man to take care of me. I am a rich man. Fuck you. You know, so I was a hustler from day one, and I knew that I could always figure out a way to make money without using my body. And I, I just was fortunate in that sense that I had that mentality, right? Because a lot of people don't, and a lot of people fall, you know, into really bad situations. So I was fortunate that I, that's not my story. Um, So the first way that I would make money is that I would, you know, I'd sell alcohol to kids in my school, because I could get it. My friends are older. My cousins are older. I could get alcohol. Then it was weed. I'd sell weed. Then I'd sell So you're seeing, uh, you found out that the, the, the drug deal or drug game or the alcohol selling. You were fucking selling a commodity that needed it. You were really into it. You were an entrepreneur then. Mm-hmm. And you figured it out. I figured it out so fast. And, you know, I, I think my first drug deal, it was just a favor to someone. Hey, can you run this over to this guy over here? Um, he's going to he's gonna pay you 50 bucks, bring it back over. You know, so I learned really quickly, like, oh, well, he's going to give me this, and I'll, I'll cut a little bit from here. And I learned how to make something out of nothing. And slowly but surely, you know, I wasn't just selling weed, and I was selling pills, and I was, you know, selling heroin. Heroin? The only time that I sold coke is when I got behind, and I owed money because I was doing heroin and doing pills, and I would rock it up, and I'd sell crack. But that was pretty rare. It was only when I had to make back money, and I would buy a bunch of coke because I knew I didn't want to do it. So I knew that I was going to make my money back, and we'd we'd rock it up. Wow, so you just were smart about it, you know? But it was all because you were, you were doing yourself. Yeah. Yeah, the only reason I sold drugs is to pay for my own drug use, clothes, food, what the things that I needed. It was out of necessity. But to be completely honest, I loved that lifestyle, and I loved what it could bring me. Eventually, I learned that if I... I'm from upstate New York, so eventually I learned it's cheaper in the city. It's a lot cheaper in the city. Oh, drugs. Mm-hmm, yeah, drugs. Oh, yeah. And all I had to do was go down and get it in the city and then mark it up, you know, two, three times, bring it up, and i make a killing off of that. Just because I was willing to put in the work to go get it for cheaper and bring it back up, I made a lot of money that way. And that was... Uh, uh, and how old are you eight, at this point? 18, 19. 
Now, you did tell me you were arrested earlier at 17, or you got a felony at 17. Mm -hmm. What was the felony? Criminal sales of a controlled substance. So at 17, so it wasn't 18 when you, oh, it was 18 when you were going to Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Well, I would <laughs> cross state lines. Um, I'm good now, right? It's been a long time. Yeah, five years of statute of limitations. So I, I was getting it from Shirley, New Jersey. So I go down to, the, to Port Authority, you know, catch a train, go to Jersey, bring it back through, and I look. But that's at eighteen. Mm -hmm. You said at seventeen you had a felony. What? Just in your local town? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they arrested you and gave you a felony at seventeen. You weren't a juvenile. Right. Was that your first arrest? No. Oh, let's no. get to that. When were you first arrested? I think I was first arrested at maybe fourteen for underage drinking. Um, so petty stuff like that, underage drinking, getting into fights. So I was on pins probation through the school because I was ditching school constantly. They couldn't keep me in that fucking seat. And I was getting in trouble with that and drinking. So pins probation and then youth probation. And I don't even really remember why, if I'm being honest. Maybe assault, um, just fighting and it just got bumped up. And then youth probation turned into, you know, my, my first felony which, which was criminal sales. And I just didn't give a fuck. I was getting high in jail from day one, you know? So <coughs> what's wild to me, looking back, I'm a mom now, right? Looking back, no one saw the signs of a drug addict. They saw this reckless, angry little shit kid that's going to get into fights. No one saw an entrepreneur. No one saw the potential. No one saw that I needed help for my drug addiction. Not one person around me ever gave a fuck about that. Or they weren't looking. How, I mean, how could you not see it, right? Because people don't give a fuck. Sorry. A lot of people don't like that, but it's people worry about their own lives, even with young people. It's sad that it is the case. But you don't have a lot of people who weren't. You weren't in school as a regular person, so you didn't have a teacher that could have caught that or looked at you like that because you didn't have that in front of you. You know, most people I, I run into, and I, I deal a lot with, with, with rehabilitation and programs, and I developed the number one program in the country still, Reality Check Program. We were voted. I was recognized on the floor of the United States Congress for that program. Yeah. And, and uh, when I developed that program, I, I automatically picked up. You could be as broke. If you have a broken home, you normally do drugs to, to fix that. Your broken home, mm -hmm. your shitty life, your dad beat you, your mom's in jail, she's a whore, whatever the fuck it is, who knows? We all have that. Trust me, there's so many people who have a past, but there comes that time in a person's life where they got to realize what's right or wrong. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, at 15, you're arrested, you say you're heading down that path, somebody should have stepped in somewhere. Yeah. But you have fallen through the cracks because you're not going to school. Your mom's probably working, trying to make, make enough money to pay the rent. And, and you're just fucking running the streets. Am I close? So my mom was always on disability. Um, but I, I, she actually kicked me out <laughs> when I was 13. And I moved in with my dad and my stepmom. Very straight edge. Very blue collar. My dad uh, helps run a radio station in upstate New York. So he's a radio station personality. That's probably where I get my, my personality oh, from. Oh, okay. My stepmom's a teacher. So at, at an elementary school. And then there's me. I don't fit into this box, right? They want me to be regular. <laughs> they want me to stop getting arrested because I, I'm from a small town. Everyone knows... What town are you from? Sydney, New York. You've never heard of it. Nope. 
Not a fucking clue. No, it's... Do you know where Rome, New York is? I do. Mm-hmm. Okay, you so, have a friend from Rome. I don't know if it's up near there. You know Binghamton? Yeah. Right outside of Binghamton. Okay. So, uh, you know, everyone knows my story and who I am, and that's really embarrassing to my parents, right? They're like, just be regular, go to college, then get married, have kids, and settle down Fuck and be that. a normal that's person. So I've done all that, but in a really fucked up way. <laughs> Like, I got there, but I didn't get there by walking this straight line. I got there doing it the hard way, uh, doing a thousand different things before that. I'm regular now. I got a bachelor's degree in correctional program support services, getting married. We got two kids, homeowner, right? I'm good now, but it took a long time to get there, a very long journey. Well, let's let's go back. Okay, so now you're 17. You're arrested already. Mm-hmm. You're 17. Now you become... 18, you figure out, now you're out of jail. You, did you do any time at mm-hmm. this point at mm-hmm. 17? Yep. So I did a year. At 17? Mm-hmm. As an adult or as juvie? As an adult. So they direct filed you, but they didn't put you in an adult prison. Yeah. <laughs> 17, they can't put mm-hmm. you in an adult prison. I was 17 when I was arrested. Or maybe I was a little bit younger when I was arrested. When I was finally sentenced, I was almost 18. It had gone a while. So, now, you didn't stay in county jail that long, did you? Or they said, usually as a juvenile, you go home. Mm-hmm. I was arrested and released the same day. Right, okay. Right. So, um, but like I, like I said in earlier videos, that made me a badass to me, right? And that made me... Badge of honor, I was arrested. Badge kind of, of honor, right. Bullshit, the bullshit, most shit. Um, so, when you're locked up, you meet people, though. <laughs> And I, I figured out really quickly that if I go down to the city, I'm going to get it cheaper. What What's fucked up about it is right around that time is the first time I shot up with a needle. And that's when my addiction was awful. So I was getting more drugs and making more money, but I was doing a lot more drugs and making a lot more money. Doing your own supply, never do your own supply thing, you know. Right, but- and I knew that. I watch movies. <laughs> I knew that. I just didn't give a fuck. You You're know? an addict. You're a real drug addict. I was really bad. And heroin eventually turned into a meth addiction, which was really, like, I'm small. Can you imagine me? 85 pounds, 90 pounds. I was really sick, and I, I thought I was going to die, for sure. Well, that's a great question. Uh, you, you've done a lot of the major drugs. Do you consider heroin or meth worse? Oh, my God. That's a hard question. I mean, you've done them both. You're addicted to both. That's a really hard question because heroin, a lot of people are dying from heroin and fentanyl overdoses. Right? Yeah, I didn't ask the dying. I, what do you think is the worst, though? I think my lowest point came from meth. Meth. Up for three days, four days at a time? A week at a time. And I had to take Roxy's, Roxy 40s to go to sleep. So I was speedballing the meth. And I'd get, like, really fucked up and jittery. And I'm like, oh, my God, when's the last time I slept? Or ate? Or drank water? I don't fucking know. So I'd get scared, and then I'd take Roxy's to go to sleep. I hear the same story about, obviously, you know, I don't, I've done every drug in the book, too. I've tried heroin. I've tried heroin. I didn't do it. I did it about two, three times. But I've done coke, meth. Never got addicted. No. Don't have that. Now, I'm sure I do have that personality. But my thing is, I'm so fucking hard-headed. I don't want to let anything beat me. And I remember I was, we were, after a robbery, uh, my brother brought crack around. 
him and his buddy Jimmy, I did one hit of crack. I took my gun out. I pointed. I said, you bring this shit around me again. I'll kill you both. Because he liked it. I, I felt that inner thing, that, that devil that I think could have got me. Yeah. And uh, never did it again. <clears throat> and I don't believe, and I do believe, to not do it. Now, listen, I'm everybody on my channel, YouTube, even this thing, I'm pro-drugs. I'm not an anti-drug person. Mm -hmm. I'm anti-addiction, uh, of course. If, you're, if you can't handle something, don't do it. Uh, I don't believe the government should be telling us what I want to do in my own fucking house. And that's what it is, right? So if we ended the war on drugs, we'd incarcerate half of the people that we do. Oh, absolutely, or more. Mm -hmm. I think it's 60% of people incarcerated are drugs. It's insane. So then we could reuse those funds, reallocate those funds to programs to help rehabilitate people. How about education? Oh, yeah. That's I mean, they one. don't educate kids in school. Even your age, uh, they didn't. When my age, it was a little different. They did. <laughs> but, and it, it, it had some kind of bearing. But I'm a believer in, they've done a lot of studies now. If you go to, you know, there's states in this country right now that mushrooms are legal. Yeah. I love that. Really? Which ones? Washington, D.C., Oregon. Mm. I think maybe Alaska. You could look it up. Uh, there's uh, countries like Sweden. And a couple over over in the Netherlands, I think it is, all drugs are legal yeah. or decriminalized. Let me put it that way. They, Decri they need to be decriminalized. Well, yeah, because we're putting people in, in for, a, for a habit. Now, I'm a believer if you steal for it, got to go to prison. Right, or that's a different charge. Hold accountable. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're stealing for something, what's the difference if I steal for drugs or I steal for uh, gambling or I steal for whatever? Stealing stealing. Go to jail, go to prison. End the story. I think a lot of people, they don't understand the addiction or the war on drugs and how that has fucked up our society. It doesn't matter how many cartel leaders, how many kingpins you put in prison, it will never stop. If people want to use drugs, they're going to use drugs. Supply and demand. Yes. That, that, that's like business. That's business 101. You have something that you can sell and people want, it's not going to quit. Imagine if prohibition was still going on. Well, it's the same thing with drugs, right? 100%. So imagine if we're chasing down people that had, you know, these uh, breweries. Spe speakeasies and stuff. They yeah. small. Imagine if we're chasing down that. That's how ridiculous it seems. Well, that's what we're doing with drugs. It's fucking ridiculous. Well, we can get on drugs for a long time, but I'm, I'm, I'm still here about your story. Mm. So now you're 18 years old, right? Better when you start to go to New York? 18, 19. Okay, when do you start getting incarcerated for long periods of time or longer periods? I was always a short timer. Always short. A year, which in New York is you know, like 10, right? Six months, 90 days. I got you. you know, so, so we used to call guys like you, or girls like you, doing life on the installment plan. Yeah. Because you're just in and out of fucking jail and it's just like, you know. It didn't affect me at all. At all. I was still drinking. And still using drugs. In jail. Yeah. Yeah, of oh, course. Yeah. Well, I talk about that, and, you know, we talked about it. There's more drugs in prison than on the street. And people go, what do you mean? I go, I don't mean actual amount. But if I want heroin, I go to the corner cell. <laughs> if I want coke, I go to that cell. I want acid. I did a lot of great acid in prison, though. I love it. Acid is my favorite drug. <gasps> we should have filmed that video. No, I'm mad I didn't ask you about acid in prison. Oh, my fucking God. We'll do another one. <laughs> I can't one imagine the stories. Oh, my God. I floated out of fucking Atlanta. <laughs> I'm a fucking acid guy. I love acid. 
And I still, to this day, I, you know, I did a lot of studying on acid. You can't overdose on acid, you know that? Mm. You can't have a bad trip and this, but you're not going to do fucking acid with somebody who's a bitch anyway. What the fuck you want to <laughs> hang out with that fucker? You know, acid is a drug that they did studies on in the military uh, that they actually gave two groups of people. One group acid, one group not acid, had the same mission. The group with acid blew away the fucking numbers mm -hmm. and success and everything. of the, But do you know what the military found out? They couldn't control them. Mm. You know, and that's a big military thing. They couldn't control the people. So, and they were no, worried about that. Uh, Timothy Leary did a lot of great studies, and, and he was the father of acid, pretty much. You know, drop out, get high, get stoned, whatever that. And, uh, but acid... I found it really opened you up. You talk about creativity? Holy fuck. You become, your brain won't stop thinking about, you know, whatever you, you, you push your brain to. Like me, I can go fucking great. If I don't write it down, I just want to do nothing more. I have to get back to that spot. But you don't always get back to that spot. That's the problem. But I'm not promoting drugs. Let me get Clearly this off Clearly, he's chair. not promoting drugs. Just go ask it. The guy in the corner has, no, I'm only kidding everybody. Acid is just like any other drug. Listen, but what people tell me, oh, you shouldn't promote thing. I said, let me tell you something. Let me promote sugar to you, motherfucker, because sugar's a drug, too. Look at me. I'm a fat fuck now because I was eating. That's why I'm on no sugar diet right now. But sugar is killing people uh, with, with everything that goes along with that. So you can talk about what's addicted. Coffee. Coffee's the first beat, you know. Oh, I'm a fucking coffee drinker. Me, I too. I, I, got, I have it off for you. We can have a good cup of coffee. I'm a big coffee drinker, too. Have a cup or two, three, sometimes in the day, in the morning. Mm -hmm. I get up. Sometimes at night I'll have them, you know. Did you drink coffee before prison? Oh, yeah. Did you? I, I drank coffee when I was in the military. Mm -hmm. And I was in the Coast Guard, and we'd be up fucking in Alaska doing boat ops. I'd have drink a pot of fucking coffee. And I was the boss. The, they call it, you know, you hold the, in, in the military, uh, a, a bosun mate is the guy who runs the ship. So I would, you know, they say they all have a crooked finger because we had held a coffee cup all day. Oh, man. You like your coffee? Love coffee. Huge coffee. Is that your new addiction? Probably. Ah. <laughs> do, you have, do you have the urge to go do drugs anytime? No. No, no. urge. None. You never think, fuck it, man. I would like to get fucking high. I could do it one time. No. Mm -mm. No, I know that I don't have another one in me. You know, I know that if I went back out, I'd die. And I can't leave my babies. <laughs> I just know ah. that. Everything's cut with fentanyl. That shit fucking scares me. And that was different when I was selling heroin. It, and pills, too. We have fake pills. They're pressed. It's just fentanyl. That was never the case when I was using. So if fentanyl was as big as it is now back in my day... You would have been young, dead. I'd be dead. Thousand right. percent. I've overdosed before. So I would have been dead, no doubt about it. And that's what How did they me. bring you back with Narcan? Mm -hmm. Wow. It's you painful. Know, I don't know the pain. I, I've saw many people overdose and die, I told you. I was in a cell once in the drug dealer in the prison. Guy owes him money. Guy comes in and goes, I need five papers. Or, you know, papers. He goes, I need five papers of heroin. Guy looked at me and said, you being a smart-ass motherfucker, I'll kill you. Who the fuck you talking to? He goes, no. He goes, listen, I'm not paying you. I go, oh, shit. I literally thought there was going to be a stabbing. He goes, this guy was about 50 at the time. He goes, I'm checking out. Oh. So I'm sitting there. The whole I, I was there the whole operation here. 
I'm sitting this out. The guy looked at him, gives him five papers of heroin, and says, you better be dead in the morning or I'll kill you. And he was dead in the morning. He, he, he was done. He had a life sentence. He was done. The appeals were done. Didn't want to live. And it was, he was nothing. wasn't like a child molester or anything like yeah. that. And it was sad. Uh, but I almost sometimes looked at that and thought of respecting him. Some people, what are you going to do? Live this fucking crazy life for the rest of your life? Whatever that life is. I couldn't imagine being there the rest of my life. No outdate. You know, when I had my time, and I did a lot of time straight, uh, I used to think I'd never get out because I thought I'd get killed. And I, and I, I went with that attitude. Uh, but I used to say, this, first of all, most life sentences, is, there's three types. There's the type that fight their case legally, try to win, whatever. Then there's the type that fall into a regular life, get a lover. You know, guys would tattoo red lipstick and blush and tattoo their eyebrows and fucking, I've been to weddings in prison, pink panties, though, you know, with Kool-Aid, the whole works. And then there's another percentage, like 200, uh, 880, that were psycho fucking paths. When I mean psychopaths, I don't want them out living next to you because they'll kill you. They don't give a fuck. They don't, they, they, they just, they, they'll kill you. And uh, so that's a percentage. And I often say, you know, that's why jails are needed or prisons are needed. Oh, for sure. But there has to be that rehabilitation because maybe some of those people wouldn't be there if they were rehabilitated. So now, you, when do you decide to become sober? You said you took you how many times? That's a good question. I, became, I decided to become sober every other month to get people off my back uh, before I really meant it, right? So um, my, my best friend, childhood friend, like I took my first steps at her house. <laughs> we were inseparable. We lived together, you know, for a long time, and she'd give me shit, and she's like, Jess, just please fucking stop. You're going to fucking die. And she, she would come home from work. She worked really hard. She worked um, with mentally challenged adults, and that's a really hard job, right? So she'd work the night shift, and she said, every time I, I open the door, I'm just afraid I'm going to come in here and you're going to be dead, you know? And I'm like, oh, you're fucking dramatic. Jesus Christ, I'm paying the rent, right? Like, relax. And I, I tried to downplay her fears, but her fears were completely justified. She thought I was going to die. But then, at the same time, she looked to me when shit got hard because I was a good earner and I could go out and make a lot of money really quickly and fix any problem that we had. So it was like, okay, y'all want me to stop, but who the fuck is going to pay the bills? You know, so I justified my actions a lot and I decided to quit a lot and I would even go through detox, like, at home. And Did I'd you ever have a regular job? Like a waitress or a fucking sure. something? Uh, so I, <laughs> I was court-mandated. To have a job. I worked at a pizza shop. Okay. Um, I owned a pizza shop. I burned you? it down. What the fuck? It was insurance. Insurance. But I didn't get it. Did you I, not? I'll go to court on that. I burned the whole fucking plaza down. It's in my book. Bruh. The fucking whole plaza. I didn't make it that far in the book yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would detox. And then the only reason I would put my body through that and I'd put like my mind through that is because I would use less and I'd save myself money. You want to talk about the definition of a fucking drug addict hustler? Like, my body and my brain was like, are we sure which direction we're going to go? Like, really, Jess? What are we doing today? But I was like, oh, I need to make more money. Well, I'm using too many drugs. Let's detox for a little bit and then use less, right, and make more money. So I was, like, my fucking brain and my life was so just crazy. So you never had the real thought of quitting everything, getting a regular job, and building a career that way? Absolutely fucking not. 
Okay, my, you're honest. My highest ambition in that lifestyle was to be a kingpin and maybe run a backdoor card game. Like, I didn't want to... What? <laughs> I didn't That's want a, a real fucking job. heard that, a backdoor card game. Okay. I didn't want a real job. I didn't want to work for the man. I didn't want to be a nine-to-five regular person. I thought that was the worst thing that you could be. And now I'm a regular person. But at the time, I, I really wanted to Wait a to minute, you're doing. not even close to regular. <laughs> Let me get that straight. You're a YouTuber. None of us are fucking regular. We work crazy hours. People think it's easy, but when they get in, they realize how hard it really oh, wow. is. And they quit, most people. Right. Uh, we have that same addiction, if you want to call it, whatever. It's work or whatever. I don't know. Addiction is just my, my ethics, the way I grew up. But now you never wanted to do anything. When did when does it? Now you're doing time here and there, year here, eight months, six months, five months, year here, to a cumulative of what? Three years, four years. With the <coughs> with the last one being you know a little over two and a half years, so I think I've served under a little under five. Okay, so you got you got five years of under your belt. What? When was? Why did the last time? change Jessica Kent to what she is today? So, my last year on the street in my addiction, I was on meth. And I was really fucked up and sick. And I was selling and using meth in Arkansas. I have a question for you on meth. Do you get physically addicted to meth? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know you did. I I know heroin, of course. So, it's euphoric. It blasts your dopamine receptors and you feel really, really good. That's why a lot of people have a lot of sex on meth. Um, you feel very good and very, very euphoric. You fiend for that feeling. Yeah, but Coke, Coke, it to me, I've done a lot of Coke. I mean, the worst thing about me for Coke was I couldn't get a heart on because I had a Coke dick. But as far as... Coke is like coffee in comparison to meth. Okay. I mean, Coke is like coffee. Meth is like, I mean, it's just next level shit. It's, it's very strong. But it's, it's the same kind of high? The, as cocaine? No. Cocaine for me just made me feel like I was awake. No, cocaine made me horny, made me this, made me this. But again, I couldn't, I'd get horny, but I couldn't get it up. I mean, me. Maybe other people can. I don't know how the fuck that works. Yeah, write Larry and tell you tell him about your dick experience on cocaine. Yeah, Larry at realitycheckprogram.com. They write me too. Uh, I love it. No, but the reason I'm asking all this, so you, you're on the worst drug you think, meth. It got you fuck. Okay, you could get dope I sick. I didn't know that. I can't yeah. eat. I can't drink water. I have no appetite. And now a lot of people that use meth for a substantial amount of time, they, they eat and they drink water. That's how they're able to, like, sustain that. I was new on meth and I couldn't eat. It oh, just made me so you sick. aren't a long-term meth user. Mm-mm. Nope. I, I would have been dead. But my my lows came from from this experience in Arkansas selling meth for the cartel and meeting all of these you know different people. Stop! You can't just fucking go by that and breeze by selling meth for the cartel and then. Uh, so how did you meet a cartel member? It was kind of an accident. So when I first got there, you know, I I got a little bit of meth. From and where is this? Fort Smith, Arkansas. Wait a minute! The cartel they used in Miami where I knew them. I mean, you know, I dealt with mm-hmm. them, but uh, different animals. Oh, they're, they're bring, in fucking they're Fort, in. fucking wherever, Arkansas. Fort Smith, Arkansas. Okay. And it's a. It sounds like it's a, a nothing town. If you just look it up, there's shootings every weekend in Fort Smith, Arkansas. It's a dangerous, fucked up place, and the cartel definitely has a presence there. Now, this was a kind of an accident situation. 
Um, I had met this one guy. He has passed away now. He was really nice to me, Mexican guy, here illegally. And I met him through a friend of a friend. And I hung out with him and a couple of his friends all night. We're hanging out, and everyone's smoking meth. And I'm like, I'm really okay. I'm not trying to smoke Now, meth. at this point, are you in any kind of relationship? At this point, I'm not in a relationship with right. anyone. Right, so I'm just... I know how my audience thinks, and anybody, they got to be wanting to fuck the shit out of oh, you. Oh, they, they're going to think that I, I fucked a cartel member for meth? That's not how it happens. No, I'm sorry. I, yes, I mean, everybody would mm-hmm. think, here's this girl, hot girl, and these guys are hanging out partying with her. They're all wanting to fuck you, I'm sure. Would you say that to a man? Yes, if it gets hot. <laughs> I fucking, my, my, my uh, well, stepson, I guess we call him, Teresa's son. He's the model in my Manscaped commercials. I said, don't ever go to fucking prison because yeah. everybody's going to want to fuck you in prison. Better not. Right. Um, no, but I, I met this one guy, a friend of a friend. Really nice to me. Made sure I had breakfast the next morning, which is really nice and, I, and much appreciated. You pushed off that. I'm the Howard Stern of this show. Yeah. Were you hit on a lot? Yes. And you pushed it off? You were... Was there something in you that was good enough? I was really mean, actually. Okay. I didn't want men to perceive me. You said you hated men. Yes. On one of my YouTubes, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I fucking hated men. I didn't want men to perceive me as this little weak Weak. girl. I'm not fuckable. I can do the same shit that you can do. I'm going to sell drugs at a higher rate than you, and I'm going to make more money than you. I always had that mentality. And if I was perceived to be in relationships with people as a drug dealer, as a female drug dealer, you think I'm going to get respect? No, I didn't like It's amazing that you thought that at a young age. It was, no, obviously men work for me, right? I have to have men with me and working with me because they're muscle that I don't have. And I understood that young, really young. I've interviewed a, a couple of runners on my channel. Um, and I had to be you ruthless. You are runners? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I had to be ruthless about things. You know, if someone owes money, well, we have to go get it. So... I, what a fucking bitch. <laughs> Man, hey, Reese, you're in trouble here. <laughs> oh, he knows. I'm Eddie. sure he does. <laughs> um, but yeah, you have to be, right? So what's interesting is I met a lot of women that were drug dealers, that were powerful in that in that life as time went on. So one of the cartel members that I met... You that, know that woman, Giselle, the, the fucking head, fucking drug, the crazy LA. lady... No, the one fucking from Colombia that fucking got killed when she got out. Mm. Uh, Giselle, Maybe. she's the biggest fucking drug dealer in the world. Mm-hmm. Fucking vicious, killed so many fucking people. Yeah. Giselle de Blanco. Yeah, that's it. Blanco. Oh, Blanco. Mm-hmm. Giselle, yeah. right. She has one surviving son, right? Fucking killing bitch, too. Yeah, one surviving son. So, yeah, yeah, I know, I know Blanco. Well, let's so get back. You meet, the, you meet the cartel member in this fucking little town in Arkansas. Right, so... He actually wasn't a cartel member, so this will make sense in a second. I'm, I'm in this janky-ass apartment on the boardwalk in Fort Smith, and anyone that's there will know what that is. It's a dangerous, fucked-up place. It used to be a motel. They converted it into apartments. Don't go there at night. <laughs> um, and we're hanging out, and he's really nice to me. Well, over time, I me- kept meeting all these different people, right? And I started dating my first daughter's biological father. Um, I just call him Baby Daddy. I don't share his name publicly because I gave him my word that I wouldn't. Uh, so I'm starting to date this person and he would, you know, pick up dope, pick up meth at different places. And after just a few months, I had a lot of connections. Well, my friend that I met that first night at this apartment, 
he comes over to where I'm staying. Now, in Fort Smith, Arkansas, I'm staying with one of my old runners, Robbie. I've interviewed him several times. And um, I'm staying at this trailer. Apparently, Robbie had told this person that I used to be a nurse. I was a CNA. Like, I changed bedpans, okay? Well, late at night, he comes in. I think I can say his name. He passed away. His name's Japaro. So Japaro comes in, and he's got all these guys with him. Like, a lot of dudes, bro. <laughs> it's 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and there's, like four other guys. So it's Japaro and four other guys that barely speak English. And they come in and they take this bag, this backpack, and they dump out all this stuff. Japaro has a fucking dish rag around his hand. And I have to film this video for YouTube. But they, they pull out all this stuff, gauze and Bactine and all this stuff. And they're like, oh, you said you were a nurse. And I'm like, the fuck? What happened to you? And he goes, oh, I just need you, just, Jessica, please, I just need you to fix it for me. You know, he's got alcohol and peroxide and all this stuff. And I'm, like, panicked. I'm freaking the fuck out. This, he has bled through this dish towel. And I'm like, no, 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 you have to hospital. You have to go to the hospital. He's illegal. He can't go to the hospital. And then there's these four guys I've never seen before in my entire life. And they're just there and they're like, just fix it. You know, we'll pay you to fix it. Just fix his hand. You said you were a nurse. And I'm like, what's the translation for no the fuck I'm not, first of all, and R like RN or like doctor or nurse and then CNA, which is the bottom, like I'm in the bottom of the totem pole. I don't, I don't know how to stitch a hand up. So he takes it off. It's disgusting like flesh like like muscle I see the muscle in his hand and it looks so gross and I'm like okay fuck it I'm, I'm not a bitch and there's a needle and like thread that you would thread a shirt with like a fucking sewing kit and I'm like this is definitely gonna get infected you know they brought gloves like it, I'm like did you rob a pharmacy before you came here like where did you get this stuff from you know and they were obviously nervous and they don't know me. Japaro knows me, but the other guys don't know who I am. So we're at this really unsanitary kitchen table. And I'm like, fuck it, I can do this. And I thread this thread on a needle and I, I fixed his hand. And when I tell you, I still remember the texture, the feeling of putting a needle through someone's skin and, and sewing it and tying it down. That is the like most disgusting thing. I can still feel what that felt like. I put alcohol on it. I made it as clean as I fucking knew how. And then I gauzed it up and bandaged it up. And <coughs> if I wasn't high on meth at the time, I probably wouldn't have had the balls to do that because I would have been grossed out and just freaked out. So they leave. They try to pay me. I tell them, no, please pay me by taking him to a doctor. Okay, please. No, no, no. I don't want that. They tried to throw me like maybe an ounce of meth or some cash, and I'm like, no, 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 please take it. I don't want your money. I just want to make sure he's okay. You're an addict, and you didn't want the meth? I didn't want oh, it. Wow. I had meth, and I had money of my own at that time, which would come in waves for me throughout the course of my addiction. Sure. Sometimes I had it, sometimes I didn't. But I'm like, please, just take the money, take him to a doctor, make sure he has help. And they left. Well, again, I didn't know who those people were. And unbeknownst to me, um, they were cartel guys. So... I think about a week later, I went with baby daddy to pick up some stuff, and I always had to wait in the car. I wasn't allowed <coughs> to, go into these, uh, to go into these houses. I'd sit in the car, they'd take my phone, so I couldn't you know, text or call or anything or be on a phone. Couldn't even have phones in a car down the street. They didn't want you to have a phone if, if they knew what you were coming for. Um, they waved me inside that day, and I thought, Hi. Like, they're, like, doing this. And I'm like, oh, no, he has my phone. Like, he, we're good, right? He's got the phone. And he goes, 
you know, Benaki, come here. Benaka. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is fucked up. Like, they're going to bring me in here and murder me. <laughs> now, the guy outside, the spotter, is not one of the guys that I saw from that night. But I go in, and it's an empty house, completely empty. There's lawn chairs, a cooler, and they're running, like, stealing electricity. It's like a crack house. Yeah, but completely bare and empty. There's no AC. It's hot as fuck. And one of the guys, you know, wanted to thank me, and he said, you come to me now. You come to me for your stuff now. You don't got to go anywhere else. And that's kind of how I started working with the cartel. I did a favor, and they trusted me, I guess, in right. that moment. So you did all that. You, you start selling the, when When's the point that you either get arrested and say, fuck it? Do you get arrested because of a snitch? Uh, mm. Typical. Yeah, so, tell, tell the audience that. Yeah, I tried to leave Arkansas many times to go back to New York. I knew that I was really sick. I knew that I, I felt like I had lost my soul, and I wanted to quit meth, but I didn't know how. Now, I want everyone to know, like, I was such a bad addict, and Mexicans don't like this, uh, I was covered in track marks from the top of my arms all the way down to my hands. I've tatted over most of those scars, um, but I had to hide that from them because I can't pick up meth and look like a completely strung out drug addict covered in track marks. They won't give it to me if I do that. So, um, and I knew that, but... Basically, I tried to leave, and I got a bus ticket. I had a lot of friends, you know, all across the country at this point, and I'm like, hey, I need a bus ticket out of Arkansas. Like, will you please help me out? I'm really strung out. They'd get me a bus ticket. I'd never leave. Well, I'll Just get the money and fucking get another hit. No, no, no. They, they weren't sending me money. They were just buying me bus tickets oh, to get me out, okay. you know? That's what I would, would call and ask for. I'm sure they would have sent money if I asked. Um, and I had friends all across the country because I was working on a magazine sales crew traveling across the country when I would run from shit in New York. A man or a charge, whatever, I'd go on the run. So I had friends everywhere. I still do to this day. And one night, October 20th of 2011, I got a bus ticket for the next day at 9 a.m. But I also got a hotel room really close to the bus station. And at 4 o'clock in the morning, I got high and I decided to go to the gas station to um, buy snacks. Like, what the fuck? So I go to the gas station. I see the cop across the street. I try to tell the person I'm with, we're fucked. We're, he's going to pull us over. There's no cars on the road. We're not in New York. We're not in Times Square. He's going to pull us over. Oh, you're paranoid. You're too high, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I know that this is what's about to happen. And instead of throwing away the shit that I had on me, I get in the car. Because I'm like, fuck it. You want to see? We're going to prison today, bitch. Like, I'm not paranoid. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but sure enough, we get pulled over. Should have left that shit behind the fucking goddamn garbage can. A thousand Just percent. Just never, never throw it away. Hide it, so the to thing, speak. The thing about that is, when you try to tell that to a meth addict, they're, he's thinking that I'm trying to get him robbed, right? Because everyone's trying to fucking rob everyone and get over on everyone and on meth. It's a fucked up world. So there's no convincing him that, yes, we're going to prison today. So uh, we get pulled over, and almost immediately... The cop gets out of the car and doesn't go to the driver's side. He goes to the passenger side and opens my door and tells me to get out. This is not a routine traffic stop. And I'm fucking really nervous. And within five minutes, there's undercover officers, the drug task force in Arkansas, because they have nothing better to do. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Usually when I go to, when I get locked up, a second car pulls up, it's a dog, and then I go to jail. Like, usually it's two, three cop cars. There's not a whole bunch of undercover cars. This is weird. This is strange, right? So I'm like, this is bigger. This is a lot bigger than being out at 4 a.m. and just a routine traffic thing. They want to search the car. Tell them to go fuck themselves. You're not going to search the car. Um, I'm not giving them permission. The person that I'm with is on parole. 
there goes our fucking rights, right? Yep. Right out the window. Yep. Um, so they find two ounces of meth and a gun. I get arrested. Well, uh, the next morning, well, a few hours later, right? It's 4 a.m. So, I don't know, 9, 10 a.m., I go to get interviewed uh, by the drug task force, and I told them, you can take me back to my cell. You know, that's your fucking job. Take me to my house. Because I'm accepting of this. I'm going. You know, we're good. We're here now. I'm, I'm going to be fine. You've already been in and out of jail, so you know the game. I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to help them. Well, this cop, who looked really familiar, and I couldn't figure out why, he slides a picture across the table of me inside the car, like, holding a big bag of meth into the back seat and selling it, and he goes, that's a delivery charge. So I'm like, motherfucker, just pile it on, man. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Take me back to my cell. Uh, two weeks later, I found out I was pregnant, and I'm facing 20 years in Arkansas. So in that moment, I didn't have a change of heart, and I didn't care, I guess, because I was in denial that I was pregnant, and it was really hard to figure out and how to navigate being pregnant because now there's a weakness. I look weak. Someone can hurt me and my, my child, and that was really scary I was locked up in a dorm or in a pod with women that had slept with my now future baby daddy, women that owed me money that I sold meth to, or women that had my back and liked me. It was a fucking weird bag of people, and it was a very uncomfortable situation. Because it's a small town, of course, obviously. It's small. I knew almost everyone there. So, then, so, you, so who snitched on you? Strangers. People I'd never met before. I don't mean... I don't mean <laughs> To get arrested that mm. night. So get arrested that night. It was a setup. To get arrested that night, it was a regular cop. And I, I talked to him. We're friends on Facebook now. Regular street cop ran my name. And DTF heard that. They had an open investigation on us. And they said, yep, arrest them. We're going to be on scene. Like, they had communicated that before they had pulled us over. Uh, and the person that snitched on us initially to open the investigation, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, you know, you could pull that. Yours is what? Yours was that a federal case? No, it wasn't federal. So it's small. I mean, I feds know. pick the big cases up, obviously. To, yeah. to, you know, I mean, thinking with cartel members and stuff. Like what my case? I wish my fucking cases were fucking kept local. Once the feds come in, I go, oh fuck, because then it's RICO. Yeah, I'm under the I'm RICO fucked. Act, under the Racketeering Act, and that's what they get you. And the real, the, my, robbing a jewelry store is not a federal offense. Mm -hmm. The makes it a federal offense is by crossing state lines. Right. It's called Hobbs Act. It's called interfering with interstate commerce. You could, they can make robbing a 7-Eleven or a McDonald's federal if they want. Because mm -hmm. McDonald's gets its potatoes from Idaho. <laughs> That's the truth. Sucks. So now you're interfering with interstate commerce. Mm -hmm. That becomes federal, and then they can fucking pound you, and you don't win. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, you are lucky, in the big picture, that they didn't want to put this up to the top. I am, I'm very fortunate, a for a lot of reasons in my life. And at the time, I didn't see that as luck. At the time, I saw that as, I'm never going to get out of prison, and I was really dramatic, and it just, it sucked, right? I don't know the first person that snitched on me, because it probably wasn't me. The person that was being investigated were, were people that I was around, and I was just too close. Oh, no, no, absolutely. And then they you start know? pulling names and everybody else, and they right. follow them. And they, and they looked. I'm sure they try to make you snitch. Oh, yeah. That's the big thing. They Multiple try to make you Yeah, 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 always. And it's just not in you. Mm -hmm. it, some people, it's not in, like myself. 
And people say, why? Are you worried about the mob? No, I was the guy who was fucking breaking arms. I used to lay guys' arms on curbs and snap them. Ugh. Fucking, I was a little psycho about things, you know. Literally. Yeah, I was <laughs> back in those days. Now look at me. I'm a nice old guy with an RV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's your front. No, I'm just yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> I wish. No, nah, I don't, no, 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 I'm just saying. All right, so now you go to jail, you clean You clean yourself up because of the baby. Because of the baby. And just, this is a crazy quick story we're going to show because, we, wow, we're on an hour. It's a long time. Wow. So, yeah. But I, we always go to somewhat long. Okay. On this podcast, Jess has a baby in prison. Yeah. Chained to a fucking gurney, and you have the baby. Mm-hmm. It just, that blows me away. It, it makes me want to cry because, you know, now there are scumbag women that don't even want their babies, don't want anything, you know. Here you are. When, when you found out you were pregnant, did you get clean? Yeah, so when I was arrested, you I was... Baby healthy born? Very healthy. Okay, good. Perfectly fine. Not good. When I was arrested... Your girl, daughter. I didn't know I was pregnant. It was so early on in my pregnancy, three weeks, not even a month maybe. Right, right. So she she's absolutely perfect. Um, but throughout... So you quit right then and there. Mm-hmm. No fucking drugs when you found out you were pregnant. Right. I found out in jail. Well, not that you can't get drugs in jail. I couldn't get drugs in this jail at this time. Um, there were people making sure that I wasn't going to ask around for drugs. And I appreciate that. I Good. really do. I yeah. was detoxing, and I didn't even have the strength to get up and look for it because I had been up for... A week, and I hadn't eaten, and I was, I was so tired and drained. And you were pregnant, right? And I didn't know that when I was detoxing the right, first week or so not. that I was pregnant. But I was so like just weak. I would wake up, I would eat a little bit of food, this disgusting tray, go back to sleep. I did that for like a week straight. I was just completely asleep, and I had a couple of girls checking on me and making sure I was okay. Even a guard that was really nice to me checking on and making sure I was okay. Um, and then you know, finally. I kind of came to one day, and I'm like, what are my fucking charges, right? Like, wh- why am I here? What's my bond? No bond. But I'm, I'm looking through, and I'm trying to see, and I'm like, what the fuck is a why felony? What does a why felony mean? And I'm, like, walking around on the pod. I'm like, hey, hey, can you tell me what a why is? New Yorkers don't have why felonies. It's the worst you can have in Arkansas. So I'm like, whatever. And I crinkled the booking sheet up, and I just threw it in the trash. So I was, like, frustrated. No bond. Worst felony. Fucking ridiculous. And I threw it out. And then I'm trying to call bondsmen's the next day. Like, I was really out of my mind. I don't have a bond. I don't know why I tried to call bondsmen's. But I was just out of it, you know? And, and coming off drugs for as long as I was on drugs, it was hard. And then I find out I'm pregnant. Micah was born, um, you know, obviously nine months later. But that was the most traumatic experience of my life. Now, your baby's born nine months. What was your sentence? Five years. Uh, so you, the baby is born... Nine months into your five-minute sentence, mm-hmm. pretty much. Yeah, they offered me 20 at first. Of course. Told them to go fuck themselves. And then 10, and I said, oh, my God, we're negotiating. <laughs> Absolutely not. Fuck you. Um, when they said, when they went from 20 to 10, I was so relieved because I didn't understand Arkansas state law at all. They also denied me in that county jail to have legal material. I had no law, book, no law books. That's illegal. To a New Yorker. No, it's illegal federally. But in, in Arkansas... You give a fuck what state it is. Federal care. government, you cannot be denied a legal defense. Otherwise, you know, they, they put law libraries in the fucking hole. They would not give any of the uh, inmates again, That's books. a great fucking appeal, yeah. It's awful, right? And I, I was losing my mind trying to figure it out. 
So when I was able to get, six months later, when I was able to get the five-year sentence, I was so grateful. So it's five years. So you're pregnant now, six months showing, and I I think that had to help, right? I don't know. I don't know. My judge didn't see me until I signed the I know, but but the prosecutors, I mean, maybe they're not thinking you're an asshole. You know, they usually don't like you when you don't rat, and that's it. So they came back. So I was in the county jail six months, right, fighting my case. DTF came back multiple times asking me, you know, where I was bringing it in and who I was getting it from. Obviously, arresting me was just so they can get to the people that I was working with. Of course, yeah. I wasn't ever going to fucking snitch on them. And honestly, the day I was arrested, they probably already fucking left. They would get houses and stay for a couple of weeks in these abandoned houses or, you know, rent them out or whatever. They're gone. We used to do that as the mob with our boiler rooms with bookmaking when we got big. You know, when I was an old guy old, <laughs> my late 20s, <laughs> we used to have what they call uh, uh, boiler room houses. We'd have, back then, we didn't have five lines. You had call and call waiting. Mm-hmm. So you'd have two or three lines, and, yep. and you'd be answering phones. We'd open that for two weeks, move it, because this way the cops couldn't chase us, you know, find us. Yeah. So here you are. You end up getting arrested. You're done. You go to jail. You get out. What's keeping you straight? So Beside my, your kids. My daughter was put in foster care. And I didn't see her. I didn't have visitation. Um, I, I didn't have pictures until she was a couple months old. So I, um, if you see my full story, you'll understand like that I was I, I really struggling. I know that struggling. part, yeah. But she was put in foster care. And they told me that I would lose. All the women I was in prison with said, you're never going to get your kid back. And I was obviously just another statistic. And I was going to come back to prison. Another, another person that lost her kid because of addiction. And she's just going to keep coming back, right? And I just decided the minute I saw my daughter's face while at the same time seeing chains to my leg, I'm fucking done. I'm retired. I didn't get letters from the homies on the street. I didn't get money put on my books. I didn't get taken care of the same way that I take care of people in prison. No one had the same loyalty for me. I was doing my time alone and I was fucking done. Now I care about something. I have made a human being. I mean, if you ever make a person, that's the craziest experience of your life. Um, so I wanted to protect her and take care of her. When she's in foster care, uh, it was just an uphill battle. And I thought I was going to lose too, but I thought she's going to grow up knowing that her mom fought for her. And she's going to know that her mom did not give up and that she was taken from me. And I had no choice, but I fought until the very end. And even when I lost, I appealed and I, I fought for years to get her. I didn't want her to think I didn't want her because that's all I wanted. And I couldn't imagine how hard it would be to grow up thinking that your parents don't want you. And that's all I could think about. So I fought my open case, foster care system, for over a year. And finally, I mean, I'm doing everything. Hair follicle drug testing. Um, I got released homeless to a halfway house. So I had two jobs, hair follicle drug testing, have to do parole, obviously, get a car, get an apartment, get clothes, get things for the kids, um, the kid. And I had coworkers donating clothes and furniture and really helping me out. And um, you don't even know you're going to get the kid. No idea. I just know I'm never going to give up. I'm never going to give up. Did the foster parents fight you? No. Okay, They good. were incredible. We still talk, actually. Like, they, they were such good people. Okay. The foster father is a cop, so imagine the irony in that. And uh, the foster mom is just such a, such a sweet They must person. be so proud of you. They are. I've interviewed the foster mom. She's so good. How, how about your mom? Is she around? My mom is in New York. My whole family's in New York, and I'm in Arkansas, right? So I'm 1,300 miles away. I don't really have any support. 
No, 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 I'm not talking about then. I'm talking about now. Oh, is my mom around now? Uh, she she actually just came for Thanksgiving. Yeah, she's young. I keep thinking she's my age or less, mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. Is your dad around? Yes. Do you speak to yep. him? Yep, I speak to them. I visit them once a year. So we have a really good relationship now, but it never used to be right, good. Right, right. So. And there was no reason it broke off, really. It was just you being an addict. Yeah. My mom wrote me and put money on the phone every single time. She was always there for me, always my ride or die. They always will. That's, mm-hmm. I take care of my mom. They're there no matter what. Yeah. My dad visited me around the country everywhere. Yeah. My dad and my stepmom, I didn't write them after a while. Like, you know, when I was young, I, I'd write jail letters and say, like, oh, I'm going to change my life. Now I'm pregnant and in Arkansas. I didn't write them. They didn't even know, really. I just showed up one day, sober, happy, healthy, with a kid. Here's a toddler. Meet Micah. You Here's know. your grandson yeah. or granddaughter. Yeah, I I just didn't want to tell them. I didn't want to talk about changing my life. I just wanted to show them that I was going to. So we didn't talk for years because I was busy getting my life together. And I didn't want to come back home until I was okay. I didn't want to put them through that again and give them false hope and then see me disappear again or get locked up again or relapse again. So, yeah, maybe that was... Weird in hindsight, but I just didn't want to get their hopes up. Good for you, man. I think that's amazing what you just said. And, and I'm so happy for you that you did that. All right. Uh, we're going to close on you being a success <laughs> that you are. Uh, what do you have to say to my audience here? If you've made it this far into this crazy-ass interview, um, I just want to say that if you've made it through addiction, you have something that no one can ever take from you. And it's so hard. And if no one else is proud of you, I absolutely am. And thank you I love that. You know what I tell people about whatever they've done? You, whether you've been arrested, whether you've been not, you now have experiences that most people haven't uh, uh, had. And you can educate people. Yeah. I always say, listen... You think your life's over. I got out of prison at 47 years or 46. I got out of 46 or 40. By 47, I have a company. But I started a new life at 46 years old. That's 14 years now. And I'm, you know, you, you get you get it back again. You know, I went to prison as a millionaire. Lose everything. I lost it before. Lose it again. Lose it again. Back. Now, now all illegal. Now I'm building again. And that's the that's part the of the game. That's the definition of a real hustler. How <laughs> many times can you lose everything you own and get it back? That's a hustler. Well, you know what happens, believe it or not, it becomes easier because you know how to do it. Yeah. I don't mean easy. Nothing's easy. But you have the work ethic because you proved it to yourself already. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the success. All right, everybody. We have Jessica Kent right here. Make sure we are in the RV. We're going to close up. Make sure you guys go to her channel on YouTube, subscribe. She has a great channel. You'll see some great videos. She's really the real deal. She's also on Instagram, TikTok. She's a big deal on that shit. I don't even know what that is. I have 400,000. She got a million three or some shit on TikTok, right? Some shit like that, yeah. And then she has an Instagram at million, right? Million. No, I'm small on Instagram, just 100K or so. Okay, that's good. I mean, I don't know what the fuck. I got 80-something K. I don't even know what it is. My son. Oh, I'm beating you on Instagram. Yeah, I got to yell at my son for that. No, no, no. He does that Get shit. Get on to him. All right, all right, you got Junior, it. it's your fucking fault. Oh, of course. <laughs> it's never my fault. <laughs> anyway, everybody, have a great day. Please, we're here every Monday, every Friday right here on The Real Deal with me, Larry Lawton. Remember, you can call in. We have call-in shows, and as long as you're on Discord, we'll get the message to you. 
You'll see me on Discord, and we have a number, and you can call in and be part of the show. Have a great day, everybody. Make sure, stay safe, and make good choices. <laughs>